Welcome back to our podcast, The Critical Informers. Today's episode is on the colonization and power dynamics of beauty. I'm Alana, and I'm here with my co-host, Eric. Hey, Eric, how's it going? Can you share what we'll be discussing today? Hey, Alana, I'm doing good. It's great to be back to host another episode. Today is especially interesting because we will be talking about the beauty standards created by whiteness and how this is seen in social media and the workplace. So before we dive into this messy topic, let's start by sharing some definitions and where the origins of white beauty come from. Yeah, so many experts have said that when colonization in America began, the preference for the Eurocentric beauty standard emerged, since beauty is considered to be the manifestation of white supremacy. And as we know in history, white European colonizers came to America and committed genocide against the indigenous people, showing their idea that they were believed to be superior. And as Dr. Lisa Wade pointed out, who is an expert on the topic, if whiteness is considered superior, then white people are more attractive by definition. Therefore, if you deviate from this standard, you're considered less than compared to your white counterparts. Yes, we see this not only in America, but we also see this around the world, like in Asia and Africa. The idea of white beauty being considered more attractive is seen there by the popularity of beauty products that contain lining ingredients such as bleach to bring them one step closer to being white, even though they will never be fully to reach whiteness physically and the status and benefits that come with it. To be white means that you have power, and this applies to the beauty in that those who have these attributes also have this power. This phenomenon is still so prevalent today, as in only since 1940 did the Miss America pageant agree to let women of color participate in the infamous competition, and only by 1970 was there a black contestant. Before that, the girls had to be, quote, in good health and of the white race, end quote, as stated by the official rules. It took 40 years for the first African-American woman to win the Miss America crown, which was Vanessa Williams, only to have her title swiftly taken away when the scandal unjustly occurred. And even though we associate beauty with women and femininity, the standards of beauty actually came from white men who deemed whiteness and its qualities to be superior, thereby making their female counterparts the ideal beauty standard, and making anyone who didn't fit this thereby less attractive. Again, going back to those beauty pageants you mentioned earlier, the white committee in charge believed that white women and women of color could not be judged together on beauty in the same contest, showing the disparity in power and again the ideals of superiority. And these beauty standards and the connection to whiteness hasn't disappeared, Instead, it's actually become more prominent today, and we see this clearly in our social media. Yes, I recently interviewed two female minority college students, Julia and Caroline, about beauty. I first asked them the question, what does beauty mean to you? To me, a person's beauty depends on who they are as a person and how they make others feel in their presence. I think a person's character says a lot more about their beauty than their physical appearance. Beauty to me means being confident in what you have to offer and knowing your self-worth. I think there's so many different standards of beauty out there, but the true beauty really comes from within. And I know, like, especially nowadays, with social media being so pervasive on everyone's life, um, it's hard to find beauty within without finding beauty validation from others. Um, But I truly think that beauty comes from internal.
And my follow-up question was, who do you think sets the standards of beauty today, in the past and growing up? I think influencers on social media set the standards of beauty today. In the past, it was probably movie stars and prominent political figures. And growing up, at least for me, it was the people I saw on children TV shows. I would say that social media sets the standards of beauty today, ranging from TikTok to Instagram to Snapchat filters. Um, Social media is just a very prominent part of everyone's lives, and it's almost near impossible not to compare yourself, especially with all the statistics and the way that these companies are designed to be so pervasive on your mind. It's you try to make your beauty relative to someone else's beauty that you see on the internet. Um, I would say in the past, the standards of beauty were more set by TV shows um, and watching what you see on television. But f- f- still, for the most part, I would say in a parallel terms, um, standards of beauty are typically set by media. Um, but the, the thing that changes that nowadays is more social media focused. Yes, looking back, I'm so glad they mentioned social media because these are the new issues in today's society. While beauty has made some strides in inclusivity with minority models, advertisements, and creating greater shade ranges with makeup for non-white skin tones, there have been some recent beauty trends that are harmful to minorities. Uh, I see what you mean, Eric. Are you thinking specifically about the trends that have been happening on TikTok? Yes. In case the listeners don't know, there recently was a trend going around on TikTok called the fox eye trend. The goal of this trend was to use eyeliner to elongate the eye to create an upward slanted eye shape. This was told it would make the rest of your face seem more lifted since the eyes would be creating the illusion of higher cheekbones and lifted temples. Great explanation, Eric. And yeah, I remember this trend started because people were noticing that supermodels like Gigi and Bella Hadid and Kendall Jenner had gotten fillers to achieve a non-surgical facelift. And they said that using this makeup hack would give you the same face shape as them. And if it isn't clear by their profession of being supermodels, they have been deemed some of the prettiest women in America. And that's also important to note that both of these women are white. It is ironic though, because Gigi and Bella's mother Yolanda Hadid, was filmed in 2012 telling a makeup artist who was there for a photo shoot for Gigi that she needed to make Gigi's eyes appear more round so that she didn't look Chinese with her slanted eye shape. I'm trying not to get too involved in her makeup. I've given her tips saying, you know, if you're with a makeup artist, tell her to do a little, keep your eyes always round and big so they pop, not the Chinese looking, you know, because that's not good for her face. So now that we've heard all of this, can you explain why this trend and topic is an issue, Eric? Exactly. And this is something that I can relate to personally as well. Asians have long been criticized for having slanted eyes. As a first-generation Chinese-American, I can recall in elementary school when some kid would imitate a Chinese person by pulling their eyelid back. I have a younger sister, and for her to grow up in California was extremely hard because I saw how she felt so different and judged by her female white classmates for looking so. I would come into her room at night to see her looking up makeup videos to make her eyes look big and round, which follows a Eurocentric beauty standard. Now, slanted eyes are what's considered popular or beautiful, and not because of Asian models, but because of white models who want to make their face look thinner. Back to the video of Yolanda commenting on Gigi's eye shape, nine years ago, she didn't want her daughter to look Chinese, 
and now her daughter is praised for embracing slanted eyes. As we can see in the Foxeye Trend Circulating TikTok, they are using Gigi and Bella as references. Next, I asked my friends Julia and Caroline what their reaction was to the Foxeye Trend on TikTok and if they thought it was appropriate. Honestly, I find it ridiculous, and I can see how it can be incredibly hurtful and frustrating to individuals who are bullied and stereotyped for the very thing this trend is trying to accomplish. The Foxeye trend on TikTok is frustrating, but not surprising, because I think history rhymes, and in the past we've seen beauty trends where um, they try to imitate different cultures because that's the new fad of the week or month. Um, I don't think it's appropriate and I think it's just more of a madness of a crowd where people are so caught up in what's going on in the latest fashion world that they don't take time to understand what is the meaning behind it and whether they are respecting or even like appropriating um, people where this trend originated from. Wow, that's awful. I'm sorry, Eric, and the same goes for your sister. I'm so glad we were able to hear from these minority women about this trend. It's really hard when you're a young girl growing up in America when you're not white. You honestly feel like a sore thumb sometimes, and you're constantly comparing yourself to the white ideals of beauty, only to be constantly disappointed because if you're not white, it's simply unattainable. And back to the fox eye trend, to give an idea of how popular this trend was, the hashtag fox eye has been viewed 145 million times. Honestly, that goes to show the power that beauty holds. Unless someone white starts showing other ways of looking beautiful, it doesn't matter if someone ethnic has been that beauty standard in the past. It will only be deemed beautiful once a white person owns it. Even on a simpler level, we see this with tanning. As we've said, whiteness is associated with power, and anyone with a darker skin tone has been associated as being less than in America. However, tanning became popular for white people since there was the idea that if you had tanned, you probably went somewhere nice for a vacation, like a tropical resort, or you had paid the monthly maintenance upkeep at a tanning salon. So, if a white person is more tan, they're considered more beautiful and given a sense of status. But if someone is naturally tanner or darker, they actually lose status in America. It seemed beautiful if white people have it, but the darker skin tone is not embraced if minorities naturally have it. Great point, Alana. Honestly, it is sad. It brings the conversation back to cultural appropriation and the issues with that. I remember seeing that there were questions a few years back about dreadlocks and if white people wearing them was considered cultural appropriation. The issue is that African-American men and women have been wearing dreads for decades, and it's a form of beauty and strength culturally. Why people would go to Jamaica or the Caribbean for a vacation and have their hair braided in dreads. And as you can imagine, this caused some issues. It's another instance of white people taking something that has been used against non-white people for decades and trying to make it look like a trend or seem cool. Moving on to our last segment, which addresses the topic of hair, Eric and I are both about to graduate college and join the workplace. And as two non-white people interested in beauty and fashion, it would be interesting to see how these beauty dynamics impact us. Workplaces, especially those deemed more professional like finance and consulting, often have strict beauty standards that men and women must adhere to, making it more difficult if you're someone of color. In our hair example earlier, women of color often must have their hair relaxed or straightened, oftentimes made to look like the hair of white women. 
Not only does this cost more money and take more time to style, it is sending the message that natural hair or ethnic hair is not beautiful and can never be seen in the workplace. Yes, I recently read an article on this topic by Jenna McGregor of the Washington Post, who was interviewing Minda Hartz. Minda had founded a career development company for women of color and was meeting with a recruiter who was looking for black women to be corporate directors. As a test, Minda asked the female white recruiter who she would have a stronger preference to hire, a woman of color with a sleek pony or one with natural hair like dreadlocks or an afro. The recruiter responded that she would hire the one with the sleek ponytail because it looked more clean cut. Minda noted that this was a reminder that, quote, these unconscious and conscious biases keep us from even having the opportunity to have a seat at the table. We haven't even had the chance to introduce ourselves, and there are these assumptions of unprofessionalism, end quote. I can see why this is very upsetting to women of color because they are forced to adhere to the standard of beauty, which is whiteness. This topic particularly shines some light on the impact of racial capitalism. Wow, that's a great intersection to think about. Can you elaborate further, Eric? Yes, if you think about it, seeing how racial capitalism is the system in America, this connection between beauty shows how people of color are forced to adhere to the white standards of beauty if they want to increase their wealth. Corporate America exemplifies capitalism, and corporate America is the one who has deemed that professionalism is connected to having these white features. So if a woman of color aspires to work at Goldman Sachs, for example, to earn a considerable living and play into the capitalist structure, she would have to lose her identity and appear as a white woman. Her cultural identity is lost in corporate America, and this is something that white women and men will never have to think about. They fit the beauty standards, but for women who can't spend hundreds of dollars on treatments to relax their hair or don't like applying heat on their hair, their options are limited. Therefore, she must sacrifice a part of herself in, in order to play into the capitalism game. I'm really glad you brought that up, Eric, especially the part about how this is something white women will never have to think about. I think that's one of the biggest beauty standards. I remember for Halloween in elementary school, all the girls were dressing up as their favorite Disney princesses, many of which are white. Seeing as I am Latina and that there is still not a Latina princess, I felt very excluded at the time and I definitely did not feel beautiful. For little girls and boys, Disney princesses are deemed to be beautiful and fit this Eurocentric beauty standard. And unfortunately, for non-white girls, they couldn't see any representation for themselves. I know my white friends never had this struggle like I did, and I can only hope this podcast has shed some light on the disparity of beauty standards for white and non-white women and men. Thank you for sharing, Alana. And I'm glad that I could be here to talk about this as well. Because another aspect about the beauty industry is that it's often focused on women and associated with femininity. And I think it needs to be more inclusive for men. So I'm happy to start this conversation. And to conclude this episode of our podcast, we asked our interviewees, Julia and Caroline, a final question, which was, in 10 years, what do you want beauty to look like or stand for? In 10 years, I want beauty to stand for embracing our imperfections. Perfection is boring, and I hope our society will find that out sooner than later. In 10 years, I want beauty to be more synonymous with fitness because I think, in a way, fitness is all about respecting your body, how you move your body, what you intake, how you showcase yourself. Um, it all exudes confidence, and I want beauty to be more about how someone feels rather than comparing yourself to how you look to those around you. Wow, I really like their response to the question. 
Well, thank you for listening to our podcast today on the colonization and power dynamics of beauty. Stay tuned for next week's podcast episode, sticking with our beauty theme, and this time focusing on gender, specifically the inclusivity of men in the industry. We are the Critical Informers, and we'll talk to you all soon. Thanks.